I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, how you doing today? It's been a great week for you. Here we are. We're coming near to the end of the Easter season. It is still Easter. Uh, my children have just now run out of their their eggs, their Easter basket candy, and it's bumming them out. And you're thinking, just now? Yeah, we've got this. We're, we're crazy parents. We have this rule uh, where the kids can have one treat a day, right? And so we, we uh, that's you get a dessert, and you, that's what it is. You either get that or or nothing at all. And so, you know, you, you get how many eggs in the Easter basket? Well, that'll last you a while when you only get one egg a day. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not all that bad. I mean, there's like at least eight or to ten jelly beans. In a, yeah, I'm that parent. I'm an awful parent. I'm, I'm depriving my children of sugar. Uh, but they're, they're just now at the end of that, and we're coming to the end of the Easter season. That's where I was going with that. Uh, and... Here we are. We're in this really odd day because tomorrow we are celebrating the feast, the holy day of obligation of the ascension of Jesus ascending into heaven. Uh, That's where he gave the great commission. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Go out to all the world and make disciples, right? You know that. You've you've seen Jesus went up on a cloud like an elevator. We remember the flannel graphs from from Sunday school. Uh, but, But here's the thing. It actually occurred on Thursday, right? That's the 40 days after Easter uh, every year, because Easter is always on a Sunday, right? Uh, Thursday is 40 days after Easter. And so most parts of the world, they still celebrate it as a holy day of obligation. You, you got to go to church on that day. They still celebrate it on Thursday, uh, but not not so much here in America, unless unless you live in Boston or Hartford or New York or Newark or Philadelphia or Omaha uh, those dioceses still celebrated on Thursday. So if you're listening to me from there and you didn't go to church on Thursday, uh, oops. But for the rest of us, you're good. Just go tomorrow. That meets your obligation for the day. And we, we celebrate the Great Commission. We celebrate uh, the the Jesus ascended to the Father. We're going to talk uh, today when we get to our reading from church history. There's a, a great homily from St. Augustine uh, that we're going to read that refers to that and, and the implications of that. Uh, but today we're also going to be talking about perspective. So we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the first reading from Ascension, either Sunday or Thursday, depending where, where you are, because that, that first reading out of the very beginning of Acts uh, refers to basically a shift in perspective of the apostles or Jesus setting them up for what's going to be a shift of perspective. So we're talking today later in the show with uh, Scott Alt. He is a a blogger, he's a writer, uh, and he's an editor. Uh, And I'll give you all of his credentials here in a bit. Uh, But uh, we're going to talk to him about how perspective shapes our worldview. And basically worldview is how we see everything. And so when when you're looking at someone and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, you, you can't actually believe what, what you're saying. Those words that are coming out of your mouth, you, you certainly can't believe them. Uh, well, generally they do, and generally they're starting from a different perspective than you are. And so uh, it's really hard sometimes to get into someone else's head 
but it's helpful in the conversation. Whether or not you ever get to a place where you can agree with them, uh, being able to understand them helps you to articulate uh, a little bit clearer your position uh, and and really helps to drive the conversation forward. Uh, Aristotle once said that it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's important for us when we're dealing with conflict, when we're dealing with people that we disagree with. And during this political season, I'm sure that you have friends or family members that you direly disagree with. Uh, well, one of the ways to be able to address that is to start by understanding where they're coming from. What's the, what's their point of origin in their worldview? Uh, so we're going to talk with uh, Scott Alt about that uh, just in a little bit. But first, let's look at it in light of the disciples. Uh, the first reading for the Ascension, it comes from the, the very, very beginning of Acts. Uh, and it gives us really interesting perspective as they are, uh, as Christ is ascending into heaven, uh, how he warns them uh, and really kind of deals with them about uh, problems of perspective. So uh, let's let, we're going to start a little bit into that reading. And, and it says, uh, he enjoined them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father about which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the Lord had gathered them together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He answered them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him from their sight. While they were looking intently at the sky as he was going, suddenly two men, dressed in white garments, stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken away from you into heaven, will return in the same way as you have seen him going into heaven." And that, again, comes from the very beginning of Acts. We started a little bit into the reading, but the, the reading tomorrow is Acts 1, 1 through 11. And, and I love this picture of the apostles, because there they are. Uh, they're with Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead and then spent 40 days uh, appearing to numerous people. Uh, I think one of the reasons to do that is to, to allay any doubt that this was uh, an actual resurrection and not just merely a few guys making it up. I mean, the number of people who saw the risen Christ was significant. Now, here we are. Uh, Jesus is just, he's just about to go and ascend into heaven, back to the Father, to the right hand of the Father, where he came from, right? And he's, he's getting, he's given the message over. Now, go into all the world, right? You're going to be my witnesses. And, and I just, I feel this so profoundly as a, as a parent, because you get them ready. You're getting your kids ready to go and you've got them lined up by the door and it's like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And then they go, okay, so now what are we doing again? Right. And this is what the apostles did to Jesus. They said, uh, so, uh, so, so Jesus, uh, is, is this the time that you're going to uh, beat up Rome and, uh, and restore the kingdom of Israel? She's like, oh my gosh, really? Uh, I'm, I'm on my way out the door. I don't, I don't have time for this, <laughs> but, but Jesus is much more patient than I am as a father. And he says this, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons uh, that the father is established by his own. Basically, Jesus is saying, mind your own business, right? <laughs> so here we have, mind your own business, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So he's basically saying to them, he's saying, focus on what really is important. You've got these preconceptions. You've got these ideas of what you think is supposed to happen. Quit it. Quit thinking that way because I didn't come for you to think in that way. I came for a different purpose. And now after these three years, my goodness, guys, it's been three years I've gone with you. Uh, after these three years of, of healing and teaching and traveling throughout Judea, come on, really, guys, pull it together. Uh, and, and I, you know, this is on you now because I'm leaving. And then he ascends into heaven. Now, there's a couple of things about perspective that I want us to look at here. First of all, is that in a few days, their perspective is going to change. Now, all of a sudden, with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost. That's going to be an awesome show, by the way. The Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost, and now they have a new perspective. They have a heavenly perspective as the the Holy Spirit now takes what they already know and gives them understanding. So that's, that's thing number one. Thing number two is I love how Jesus does this. Jesus says, now, before you go off, I want you to wait here. Why, why did Jesus have them wait there? 50 days after uh, his crucifixion, 50 days after his resurrection, uh, the Holy Spirit comes. But why, why in Jerusalem? Why, why not somewhere else? Now, there's probably lots of different theories about this. Someone may say, well, it had to be done this way because of prophecy. I, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I think that Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit came. The church was born in Jerusalem because it was a feast. Everyone from all around everywhere was going to be in Jerusalem that day. And so, as you read in the second chapter of Acts, uh, there 3,000 people were added to their number that day. The, the Christianity grew massively on the day of Pentecost because of where it started. It started right there in Jerusalem, the, the hub uh, for that moment. Now, the second reason, I think this is a very uh, important reason for us as we look at the story, he left them there because if... If they had gone elsewhere, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then the church began spreading, they would always remember Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, that place where they denied Christ. Jerusalem, that place where Christ was crucified. Jerusalem held all of these memories of their greatest failures, because they all scattered, right? When Jesus was arrested in the garden, they all scattered, and it was their moment of weakness, there they are in their greatest moment of weakness. It would always loom over them. They'd look over their shoulder and yeah, things are going really good, but Jerusalem. And so Christ asks them and, and, and really commands them, stay, stay here, stay here until you receive power from God, the Holy Spirit. Because what was at one point going to be remembered for their greatest failure would become their personal greatest success. It's all about perspective, and that's what we're going to be talking about when we come back, talking with Scott Alt. Uh, it's going to be a great show. You're not going to want to miss it. Go over to Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. And talk to me about a moment in your life where perspective changed everything. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around through the break. Well, we're still in the Easter season. Uh, depending on what part of the, the world you are, what part of the country you are, uh, you either celebrated the Ascension last Thursday or tomorrow. Uh, and so we're going to be talking today about the importance of perspective. Uh, we talked in that first break about the, the disciples and their shift in perspective from uh, before Pentecost to after Pentecost. Uh, and so now we're talking about during the whole season of Easter, the importance and the power of a story. Uh, hearkening back to that that passage, if you've been listening for several weeks, you remember out of Revelation twelve eleven, uh, where where we're told about the saints around the throne of God, and it says they, the saints around the throne of God, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So today we're talking with. Scott Alt, he is uh, the managing editor of the Catholic Stand, great website. You can find out more about it over at catholicstand.com, correct? That is correct, yes. Yeah, and you also, uh, you contribute to uh, to Aletia, to, you have your own blog on the Pathios Network, and also to the National Catholic Register. Uh, so you're, you're kind of full-time, all the time in that writing world, uh, and we're just really pleased to have you on the show. Thanks for being here today, Scott. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, today, we're talking about the importance of a perspective. You know, on 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 Pathios on a couple on Facebook, you've got Scott, uh, Eric, Alt, and and every, you know, got. I always think of Control Alt Delete, and I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that. Uh, uh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I would be able to retire to Switzerland. <laughs> but but I've got something for you in that because you are mm-hmm. someone who understands what it means to reboot life, right? Uh, you've gone through that a number of times uh, in different areas of your life, not the least of which is that you, like myself, you're a convert uh, into yeah. the Catholic Church. And so there is that sense of, hey, yeah, of course it's control alt delete because God has put me in a place where I have to reboot, right? <laughs> so if you yes. never thought it that way, I've, I've given you a, a witty comeback. Well, that, that, that will be useful the next time I hear that. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, the importance of perspective. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in talking with you about this specifically because of some recent articles. You've been uh, going back and forth with someone over uh, how our perspective informs the way we relate to the church, specifically in, in these articles dealing with uh, the most recent uh, apostolic exhortation uh, in terms of Perspective changes everything, or as the common phrase goes, perspective, uh, perception is reality. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how you view the importance of perspective and in a broad ranging thing, whether it be from religion to politics to whatever else the case may be. Well, I think of perspective as having two different senses to it. The perspective in the good sense and perspective in the bad sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say that my perspective on X, Y, or Z is what it is because of my own personal uh, experiences in life. And that actually brings value uh, to the discussion. For example, with the exhortation, if people have the experience of having been divorced and remarried mm-hmm. or divorced and having had an annulment, uh, their perspective on their own history it brings 
uh, a value to the discussion in order to frame it more accurately to the reality of people, how people actually live their lives. Mm-hmm. But you could also think of perspective in uh, the sense of a predetermined narrative that you bring to the discussion of any topic. And uh, this master narrative, as it were, determines how you read something, regardless of what, whether or not that's what it says, regardless of whether or not that's what the reality is. You see everything through this lens that you have formulated beforehand. Um, and I think that's, that's the cause of some of the errors in how the most recent exhortation is being read. People are uh, assuming that they're going to see an opening for communion for the divorced and remarried. Whether it's actually there or not, they see it because they expect to see it. So here's a question for you. How how do you walk the line uh, between good perspective and bad perspective, between between that which informs us and that which merely becomes preconception? It's kind of a difficult balance uh, to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've thought that through in that sense. I've n- never had much luck in, in getting people to abandon their, you know, predetermined narratives. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure how you, how you walk the line. Uh, I don't know whether, um, my own, experience as an English major who's used to looking at what the text says mm-hmm. um, and, and just seeing reality in that sense um, has shielded me from the effects of having a preconceived uh, determination. Um, I, I, I would, I would, you know, I would suggest to, to anyone who's under the, influence of uh, a narrative that causes them to be biased in how they see things, to spend a lot of time talking to people and interacting with people who are from an opposite uh, point of view, rather than just uh, insulating yourself with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my own, um, you know, just experiences on Facebook have helped me in that regard as well. Um, tending to see things more from uh, a very hardline conservative perspective. But my interactions with people who are more um, to the center or more to the left has broadened that perspective in a way that helps me to see the truth of some of what they're seeing in a way that I was not able to before. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Scott Alt today. He's the uh, the managing editor at the com. Uh, just in case you heard it incorrectly before, catholicstand.com. And we're talking about the importance of perspective. And you brought up this this idea of uh, really broadening your perspective as, as a inoculation against, uh, against having a, a predetermined idea or a preconception based on our perspective. And I, I think that that's uh, probably the most salient and important point of the day is that we can get so caught up in birds of a feather flock together and finding our, our like-minded people that we just become an echo chamber for our own idea and our own perspective. Uh, and we don't see the, the breadth one of, of uh, diversity of opinion that's allowed by the church. Uh, but two, we get locked into uh, the idea of demonizing the other, whoever that other would be. 
Uh, and so we've got it right now with our political discourse. You've got uh, two people who nobody really, to, to my knowledge that I've seen, nobody really likes the two contenders we currently have in the political scheme. They just dislike the other person so much uh, that they have to to throw in their lot with, with whomever. So even uh, all the way over to the political sphere, we see this this perspective really kind of driving the the horse and the cart driving the horse instead of the horse pulling the cart. I think that's true. I think uh, a lot of uh, people who are registered Republicans or, or conservatives um, hoped for a better nominee than Trump. Maybe their guy was Cruz. Maybe their guy was Rand Paul or any one of the other ones. Uh, but their perspective is now that I have now that we're that Trump is going to be the nominee, I have to vote for him, mm-hmm. even though I don't like it, because anything to uh, stop abortion, anything to uh, stop Supreme Court nominees that uh, will further promote abortion. Mm-hmm. And so th- th- their perspective is simply seeing their choice as being defined by this one particular issue of abortion, which means so much to them. Important though it is, uh, and that coloring any other consideration of of some of the uh, negatives that come along with Trump that might make him not a lesser evil than Hillary Clinton, but the same evil, just a different set of evil. Right. Well, and I think that even within that single issue, uh, let's say that abortion to to a voter is the most important issue, whatever or whatever that issue is. It's still looking through a specific perspective, and that perspective being that the government has the the final say, and the Supreme Court is the only way that we can uh, can overcome this cultural fascination with abortion. Uh, rather than looking to maybe more creative ways, maybe engaging the culture, uh, engaging in conversation, and and changing it. In a uh, in a heart capacity rather than a political capacity, so even within a single issue, you can get locked into to an incorrect, false choice of a perspective. That's correct. You can you can see the the solution to the problem as in more laws or political action rather than in changing hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you changed hearts and minds to believe that abortion is the evil that it is then no one would have an abortion, whether regardless of whether it was legal or not. Mm-hmm. I love the way that St. Pope John Paul II uh, put this phrase. He says, uh, we don't impose anything. We don't impose our views on anyone else. Rather, we propose the truth, and the truth will impose itself. Right. So we don't we don't have to go around and and create these uh, laws, whatever they are. I mean, there, there's benefit to law, certainly, uh, but we have to see the solution uh, in the truth of who Jesus Christ is and in what Jesus Christ came to offer to us. Well, there's a lot more perspective touches on every topic. We're going to continue this conversation with Scott Alt just after the break. Uh, we're talking about the importance of perspective on the story that we tell. We're going to get a little bit into Scott's story in just a moment. But let's get into yours over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. And tell me something in your life where your perspective changed and it changed your entire view of the world. We'll be right back after this. 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. We're talking today about the importance of perspective, of perception. We're talking with Scott Alt. He's the managing editor of thecatholicstand.com. Scott, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. So one of the things that you've you've kind of been on a a tear lately, I I just came across your blog probably about a month and a half ago and just really gotten sucked in. Uh, because it's like every every other post, it's like, oh, well, that's another topic that I'm exceptionally interested in. But what I want to talk to you today about is uh, the role of a specific life event uh, in your process of becoming a Catholic. Uh, sometime before you became a Catholic, you experienced the loss of a child. You lost a daughter who was uh, who is stillborn. Um, and you've written several pieces on uh, on limbo on that that uh, theological speculation. Uh, that that many people know about uh, and think that that's a, a doctrine of the church. Uh, and I've really appreciated your writing on this topic because I have experienced loss as well. My wife and I lost two uh, children to miscarriage. Uh, and, and I know that we're not alone. It, nobody talks about uh, losing a, an infant before they take their first breath until it happens to you. And then everyone comes out of the woodwork and you're like, I never knew that you experienced this kind of loss. Uh, I appreciate that you are not being silent about it, that you're not waiting to, to quietly go up to someone who's experienced loss and encourage them, but that you're broadcasting it. And in a sense, providing comfort for those people who would never come forward uh, in the midst of their grief. So talk a little bit about how this experience has shaped your perspective uh, and how you view the world. The history there is that 10 years ago, um, I was married, no longer am, uh, but my my wife uh, developed eclampsia mm. and had a seizure one morning, and the resultant lock, lack of oxygen uh, caused uh, the child to die, um, who was then delivered, stillborn, in the hospital. Mm. And uh, when I was in uh, the delivery room, a chaplain came in, happened to be a, a Baptist, and I asked him, what should we do? Is it proper to have her baptized? Mm -hmm. And his immediate concern was that I was Catholic, which I I wasn't at the time. And I said, well, no, I'm not. And I don't think that she needs to be baptized in order to go to heaven. It's just I'm looking for your perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about that and finally determined he would say a blessing rather than baptize her. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, of course, if I had been Catholic, there would have been no baptism anyway, because you only baptize the living. So it always it, it always bothered me that that was one thing I was not able to do for her. I could give her her name, right. but I couldn't I couldn't baptize her. I didn't believe that affected her salvation. I never did, um, but it, but it always bothered me the the lack of that. Then five years later, when I was in RCIA, the topic of baptism came up and how important it is. It gets rid of original sin. There's no other way to get rid of original sin. And so I approached our team leader during the break and asked her, what would the church say about Caitlin? My daughter's name's Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And in, in the grace of God, this RCIA team leader had lost her granddaughter to a stillbirth. Mm. And she told me about the baptism of desire and how merely the desire to have her baptized was enough. And I had almost an image in my mind of the moment when she took her last breath and was delivered. I almost felt as though Jesus was there in the hospital. Yeah. And he baptized her. 
Hmm. And, that, and that perspective, it, it didn't change my perspective on whether or not she was in heaven. Right. But it changed my ability to see that even though I couldn't have had her baptized, that doesn't mean that she wasn't mm-hmm. in some way. I love the way the catechism puts this in paragraph 1257, where it says, God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism, but he himself is not bound by his sacraments. In short, God can do whatever he wants in this regard. Yeah, God is not, God is not limited by the sacraments. He creates them for the living, but for those who are beyond the sacraments, the sacraments don't bind God's action in salvation. You know, in a similar situation, St. Bernard of Clairvaux was responding to someone who had experienced this kind of loss. And he said, your faith spoke for this child. Baptism for this child was only delayed by time. Your faith suffices. The waters of your womb, were they not the waters of life for this child? Look at your tears. Are they not the waters of baptism? Do not fear this. God's ability to love is greater than our fears. Surrender everything to God. And that was something that brought me profound peace uh, in that time of loss uh, when we experienced it. Yes, when, when, when you give yourself over to surrender to God, that makes up for whatever you feel you have lacked and what you've been able to do or had the opportunity to do. Um, You talk about perspective, and I don't know whether this is in um, the section that talks about the the ascension or not, but one of my favorite sayings of Jesus is, you you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. Uh, That's uh, the, the washing of the feet, John 15. Okay. And that that speaks to me of the same the same idea that our 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 way of seeing things needs to be educated by God's way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't understand right away. Sometimes we're taught through life experiences, particularly the life experiences uh, that we didn't want, and never thought we would have to go through this pain. Uh, but but God permits it, not the same thing as saying he causes it, right. but he permits it um, because in, in his view, this is what's needed in order to save us, in order to bring us from our own limited perspectives to seeing things as he sees them. Well, it's very interesting because in our, maybe it's just Western world, maybe it's just the human condition, but suffering is seen as an absolute negative and you look at the lives of the saints, and, and suffering was seen as something uh, desirable, to share in the sufferings of Christ, to, to realize that through suffering, uh, we grow in, in virtue, we grow in perseverance. And so the result of the suffering, even though no suffering is pleasant, the result of the suffering was something to be desired. Uh, and I think that that's yeah. something we should perhaps recapture, or at least orient ourselves towards when we're in the midst of suffering, rather than, oh my gosh, how can I get out of this? Uh, to ask God, oh, oh, what can I get out of this? That's a very different perspective on sin, or I'm sorry, on suffering, than we have in uh, our contemporary culture, um, particularly as influenced as it is uh, by the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it tends to convey the notion that if we're suffering, it's punishment for our sins right. in some way. 
Um, but the early Christians, the early saints, the early martyrs, all rejoiced in their suffering. They would universally say, I thank God that I am counted worthy to suffer for him. Mm-hmm. So the suffering was a mark of favor with God rather than being abandoned by God. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about how your sufferings affected your perception and in some way helped bring you into the church. One, um, one particular um, uh, sticking point with me, even while I was in RCIA, was Mary. I had accepted the teachings of the church theologically. I, I came to realize, yes, the Immaculate Conception is true, perpetual virginity is true, the Assumption is true, but I felt a distance from her, and I, I wasn't able to figure out why I felt this distance from her. Every other teaching, when I figured out that it was true and why it was true, I embraced with joy. There was a, there was a barrier with Mary, and I didn't quite understand where that was coming from. And uh, briefly, while I was uh, pursuing an annulment and trying to uh, explain to my ex-wife why I was taking this step, uh, she called angrily one night and started to question me about Mary. Mm-hmm. Probably the last Catholic topic I was prepared to defend. <laughs> um, but I felt, okay, I needed to. I need to play apologist now yeah. and defend the teaching on Mary. And she said, well, Catholics pray to Mary. I said, well, yeah, we asked her to pray for us. Mm-hmm. And she's responded, well, yes, but I can go directly to Jesus. And I said, then why is it that when Tyler was in his car accident, Tyler was her son from before we met, when Tyler was in his car accident, it turned out he was okay. The first thing you said was, thank you, Caitlin. Hmm. And she didn't want to pursue that, got started to get defensive and angry. Mm -hmm. I think she was just, she was just hurt that I wanted to have it in a moment. She was taking it out in any way she could. Right. And finally I said to her, you know, it might not hurt you to spend some time talking to Mary yourself because after all, Mary lost her child too. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know where she went with that, but I needed to hear myself say that because that broke down uh, an emotional distance that I had erected between myself and Mary. And I realized that I could get through my suffering having lost a child by having an advocate who lost her child too. She knew what I was experiencing because she experienced it herself. Mm -hmm. And that's really another example of the power of a story that Mary sharing her suffering uh, through the Gospels gave you great hope and peace and gave you a different perspective. And perspective is what we're talking about today with Scott Alt. He's the managing editor of CatholicStand.com and much more. We'll join our conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. And tell me about how a shift in perspective changed your opinion on something. We'll be right back after this with much more on this celebration of Ascension.
Welcome back. I'm Timothy Putnam, and you are listening to Outside the Walls, and I'm glad you are. Oh, if you missed any part of today's show, we had a great conversation with Scott Alt. Uh, he is the managing editor of the CatholicStand.com, CatholicStand.com. Uh, go over and take a look. They've got some great stuff out there. He's also a blogger on the Pathios Network. We'll put a link up to his stuff on our social media. Make sure you go over there and take a look. It is uh, www.facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, our handle is at outside the walls. And we want you to be part of the conversation. But if you missed it, if you missed it or you want to share it with someone, well, go to outsidethewalls.com uh, and all of our archives are available there. Uh, we're talking today about perspective. And, and what difference perspective can make? Uh, you know, I recall when we became Catholic, Kristen and I, uh, we specifically on this topic of baptism that he was just talking about, uh, this whole idea that baptism actually has an effect. The, the term is efficacious, right? That, uh, that it's not just a, a symbol, that it's not just a, a rite of passage where we get, get together and pour water on a baby's head and put uh, amazing smelling oil on their head and, and sniff it for months and months. Uh, not really. It doesn't last that long. Uh, that's why we keep having babies, by the way, so we can have chrism. And, you know, by the time we can't have babies anymore, maybe, maybe we'll start having uh, kids being confirmed. And so then you get a whole, a whole nother round of it. And I'm being facetious, I promise. Uh, but it is amazing smelling stuff. It smells like heaven. But that, that is completely off topic. Now, we're talking about uh, this concept of baptism, washing away original sin. You know, in the, in the Protestant church where I was, we believed in original sin. We believed that we inherited the sin of Adam and Eve, and then that, uh, that created a problem. But in, in our traditions, uh, original sin was treated a lot like what the Catholic Church calls concupiscence, this bent towards sinning. Uh, and and not so much, which is something else that we inherited. Uh, but the Catholic Church separates out from original sin because we all know that concupiscence is something that we have to strive against continually. And we believe that baptism washes us clean, completely clean of original sin. Uh, and so here we are, we're brand new Catholics and, and we go and we're visiting uh, a church that we used to belong to. And they read this passage out of Scripture that basically uh, it's not the passage from from Peter where he says baptism now saves you. But it's another one. I don't even remember which one it is, but it's another one that was just very clear like that. And we're go, we look at one another and go, wait, has that been in the Bible the whole time? And we, we didn't see it. We didn't know it. Uh, and our perspective uh, changed because we began to participate fully in the sacramental life. And just that shift of origin changed completely how we even approached Scripture, how we viewed those things that came from Scripture. And we're like, ooh, wow, hey, baptism is kind of important here. Uh, and so, yeah, perspective changes everything. And here's the thing. Here's where we start from. And, and I want to encourage you specifically in the midst of this political season uh, I, I don't like politics personally. Um, I, I grew up in a very political household. I, I, gosh, I don't know. I just, um, it was part of who we were. And yet personally, I perceive that politics and religion are attempting to answer the same question. How do we order our lives? 
How do we order our society so that it results in the best outcome for all, right? And so that's what politics seeks to answer. That's what religion seeks to answer. And uh, I think that politics is a really poor uh, substitute personally. Now, that's my personal perspective. You may disagree. And if you do, uh, go to social media and tell me, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Because listen, I will take disagreement all day long uh, as long as somebody says something over there, right? Facebook.com slash step outside the walls. (laughs) But no, uh, you know, here's the thing. Too often, I think, we start with our political platform and then we view all of scripture, all of our tradition, all of our religion through that lens rather than starting with with this what Christ offered us, starting with the gospel, starting with salvation history, and then going out into politics, going out into uh, every other aspect of our life, into charity. Into, it, I think that religion needs to be our starting place and that even if we have similar opinions with someone else, we're going to have a different perspective if we start anywhere else but with our faith. And I think that faith is where we are called as Christians to start from. So I don't even remember how I got there. Uh, I, I want to read to you this this thing because here's our starting place. That's how I got there. Our starting place is that we are members of Christ, that Christ is our head and that through the, the mercy of Jesus Christ, through his death, his resurrection, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been reconciled to God. And that's something more profound than any political system can offer us, right? The, a political system is, is a, a government is a necessary means uh, to order our lives. But our perspective should be one of being reconciled to God, because that is eternal. It doesn't go away. It it isn't temporal. It doesn't uh, end when we die, right? Our connection to God is eternal. And that ought to be the place that we view the whole world from, that, uh, that everyone around us, we are members of one another, right? I have to take care of the poor. I have to take care of the sick. I have to take care of them because they are part of Christ and I am part of Christ. That means they're part of me, right? There's this dignity of the human person that is, uh, that is enlivened and uh, set ablaze in a positive way when we view it through the lens uh, of seeing things the way God sees it. So here as we get to the end of today's show, I want to read you a sermon from St. Augustine. Today, our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. Let our hearts ascend with him. Listen to the words of the apostle. If you have risen with Christ, set your hearts on the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things that are above, not the things on earth. For just as he remained with us after his ascension, so too we are already in heaven with him, even though what is promised us has not yet been fulfilled in our bodies. Christ is now exalted above the heavens. But he still suffers on earth all the pain that we, the members of his body, have to bear. He showed this when he cried out from above, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And when he said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. Why do we on earth not strive to find rest with him in heaven, even now, through the faith, hope, and love that unites us to him? While in heaven, he is also with us, and we, while on earth, are with him. 
He is here with us by his divinity, his power, and his love. We cannot be in heaven as he is on earth by divinity, but in him we can be there by love. He did not leave heaven when he came down to us, nor did he withdraw from us when he went up again into heaven. The fact that he was in heaven even while he was on earth is borne out by his own statement. No one has ever ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. These words are explained by our oneness with Christ, for he is our head, and we are his body. No one ascended into heaven except Christ, because we also are Christ. He is the Son of Man by his union with us, and we by our union with him are the sons of God. So the apostle says, just as the human body, which has many members, is a unity, because all the different members make one body, so it is also with Christ. He, too, has many members, but one body. Out of compassion for us, he descended from heaven, and although he ascended alone, we also ascend, because we are in him by grace. Thus, no one but Christ descended, and no one but Christ ascended, not because there is no distinction between the head and the body, but because the body as a unity cannot be separated from the head. That reading is from a homily on the Ascension by St. Augustine. And if, if we are, like he quoted out of Colossians 3 there, if we are uh, hidden in Christ, in God, hidden with Christ in God, then, uh, then that ought to change our perspective. If we are the body of Christ and Christ is our head, then that ought to change our perspective. It ought to change the way that we approach people. It ought to change the way we approach politics. It ought to change the way we approach going to the grocery store. It ought to change the way we approach all of life. Because if we are united to God and we're members of his body and we're supposed to be his hands and feet and see things like he sees them, then then that makes a difference. It makes a difference not only to us, but to the whole world. It makes a difference when we tell that story. You know, you can tell the same story from different perspectives. There are filmmakers out there who do it all the time for, for an effect. But our perspective changes the way we view our story. And we overcome, remember, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And if we view our story and if we tell our story from the perspective of being one and united with Jesus Christ uh, and reconciled to God the Father, then that story will make a profound difference in the lives of others. Next week, we're going to continue this this whole concept. We're going to talk with Marcus Grodi, host of the EWTN show, The Journey Home. Uh, he firsthand knows how powerful our story is, not only to ourselves, but in the lives of others, how it provides encouragement and inspiration and hope in times and places where those things are lacking, all because we tell our story from the perspective of being members of the body of Christ. That's all the time we have this week. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, and on Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.